Chapter Three of Mormonism and Masonry by Samuel Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. Temple Ceremonies, Symbols, and Language: A Study in Resemblances. Having thus traced the variegated fortunes of the Masonic lodges at Nauvoo, we are now prepared to enter upon another phase of our subject: a study in resemblances. As already intimated, the question is often asked, does the Mormon church make use of Masonic ceremonies in its temple ritual? In what follows, for obvious reasons, no attempt will be made to give a categorical answer to this question, nor is it the purpose of the writer to point out or label any resemblances that may be discovered in the course of the study. Facts, so far as they have come to the writer's knowledge, will be presented. The reader must draw his own conclusions the observant craftsman can not be long among the mormon people without noting the not infrequent use made of certain emblems and symbols which have come to be associated in the public mind with the masonic fraternity and now and then he will catch expressions and phrases in conversation and literature which are suggestive to say the least if he should continue his residence in utah he will sometimes be made aware of the fact when shaking hands with a Mormon neighbor or friend, that there is a pressure of the hand as though some sort of a grip is being given. Visitors and residents of Utah often remark upon the extensive use made of certain emblems, as, for example, the conventional beehive. This familiar figure occupies the center of the great seal of the state. A model of immense size arises from the roof of the beautiful Hotel Utah, and one of the smaller proportions crowns the platform on the cupola of the beehive house the official residence of the president of the church it is noticeably prominent on the great bronze doors which guard the entrance to the sacred precincts of the salt lake temple as well as on doors of commercial and other buildings it is placed on the tops of newel posts of the cement steps which lead to the entrance of meeting houses and tabernacles and frequently appears with effect in the decorative schemes of interiors as in the lobby of hotel utah other symbols with which the public is more or less familiar are used extensively more especially in and about the salt lake temple and presumably in all other temples of the mormon church on the interior of this building we learn from an unquestioned authority there are in the walls several series of stories of emblematical designs and significance representing the earth moon sun and stars on the east centre tower is an inscriptive the letters deep cut lined with gold which reads holiness to the lord this inscription it might be noted appears over the doorway of some of the business establishments conducted by the church and over the entrance to the church tithing house and it is given place on the stationery used in the official correspondence conducted by church authorities immediately beneath this inscription over the central casement of the east tower of the temple is the emblem of the clasped hands on the corresponding stones above the upper windows in each of the central towers is carved the all-seeing eye covering the plate glass double doors on the east and west sides of the temple each of which is four by twelve feet are bronze grills of intricate patterns which carry medallions of the beehive while an escutcheon cut in relief shows the clasped hands circled by a wreath in the garden room of the temple the ceiling is embellished with oil paintings to represent clouds and the sky in which appear the sun moon and stars 
in the centre of this room and against the south wall is a platform which is reached by three steps on the platform is an altar upon which rests the bible in the terrestrial room at the east end is a raised floor reached by three steps passing now from this phase of the subject we come next to the language used in a part of the temple ceremonies here we are dependent for authorities mainly upon certain exposés though collateral evidence is not wanting the exposés referred to are three in number and they are separated from each other in time by almost a generation a comparison of the three accounts shows that the first or oldest one differs from the other two or later ones in one significant particular at least from the van dusen account it appears that in the nauvoo temple use was made of a larger number of stages or degrees in these ceremonies than was the case later and that these extended to and included the seventh this fact seems to point to the conclusion that the work was in a preliminary or experimental stage in nauvoo and that later it was developed and perfected into its present form which included the practical omission of the last four degrees a well-informed member of the mormon church in conversation with the writer accounted for the character of the van dusen statements upon a different supposition though upon what authority was not disclosed he said that van dusen was a d liar and further that he was a mason it may very well have been that he was a mason although no records are known to the writer which support that claim as will be shown later the followers of joseph smith believed that the temple ceremonies were revealed to the prophet complete and more than a year before he became a mason and that proof of this is to be found in the doctrine and covenants as a preliminary to a consideration of some of the language of the temple ritual it may not be amiss to note certain objects and articles used in connection with that ritual the garments worn by both men and women during a goodly portion of the ceremonies are of white cloth and of the one-piece pattern on the right breast is a square and on the left compasses there are other marks or openings which are of no special interest to us here as used in the temple at nauvoo the slits representing a pair of compasses were on the knees rather than on the left breast the pattern of this garment the wearer is informed was revealed to joseph smith direct from heaven and in the same as that worn by adam and eve at one point in the ceremonies the devil comes in wearing a silk hat and having on a masonic apron this apron is embellished with two columns with a serpent suspended midway between and a serpent entwined about the base of each the aprons worn by the men and women are alike and are described as being a square half yard of green silk with nine fig leaves worked on them in brown sewing silk those in use at nauvoo were of white cloth about eighteen inches square with green silk leaves pasted on in the old endowment house at salt lake the ceiling of the garden of eden room was painted much of the same as that described above with these additions in each corner there was a masonic emblem in one compasses in another a square and in the other two a level and a plum the opening part of the temple ceremonies which have been characterized by a mormon writer as the masonic sacred drama of the fall of man need not detain us here occurs the washings and anointings and assumption of the garment before referred to and a representation in dialogue of the creation of the world and woman following this preparatory part the first obligation or oath is taken one of the several couples kneels at the altar to represent adam and eve and all participate in the ceremonies the audience stands with the right hand raised to a square when the following oath is taken 
we and each of us solemnly bind ourselves that we will not reveal any of the secrets of the first token of the Aaronic priesthood with its accompanying name sign or penalty so i do so i agree that my throat may be cut from year to year and my tongue torn out by its roots grip the grip is very simple hands clasped pressing the point of the knuckles of the index finger with the thumb sign in executing the signs of the penalty the hand palm down is placed across the body so that the thumb comes directly under and a little behind the ear the hand is drawn sharply to the right across the throat the elbow standing out at a position of ninety degrees from the body the hand is dropped from the square to the side in the earliest form of these ceremonies as used in now in eighteen hundred and forty six this obligation or a part of it at least appears to have been given in what was termed the sixth degree the exercises then proceed various characters appear and carry on a dialogue and then a robe and sandals are put on the candidates and the apron replaced and the second oath is administered we and each of us do solemnly promise and bind ourselves never to reveal any of the secrets of this priesthood with the accompanying name grip and penalty should we do so we agree that our breasts may be torn open our heart and vitals torn out and given to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field grip clasp the right hand and place the thumb into the hollow of the knuckles between the first and second fingers sign the sign is made by extending the right hand across the left breast directly over the heart then drawing it rapidly from left to right with the elbow at the square then dropping the hand to the side the candidates are then conducted into what is known as the celestial room here also characters appear and carry on conversation relating to the ceremonies and other preparations are made for the administering of the third oath which is as follows you and each of you do covenant and promise that you will never reveal any of the secrets of the priesthood with any accompanying name sign and penalty should you do so you agree that your body may be cut asunder and all your bowels gush out in this the left hand is placed palm upright directly in front of the body there being a right angle formed at the elbow the right hand palm down is placed under the elbow of the left then drawn sharply across the bowels and both hands drop to the side the grip is given by grasping the right hands so that the little fingers are interlocked and the forefinger presses the wrist this is known as the patriarchal grip or the true sign of the nail the neophytes are then ready for the threefold obligation which relates to the law of sacrifice the law of chastity and the law of vengeance the last named law it might be noted in passing is given with but slight variation by all three of the authorities quoted here the character of the second law is indicated by its title and is not without significance though it need not detain us following these obligations the candidates are seated and a long sermon or lecture is given in which the entire history of the temple work is rehearsed they are then instructed in the true order of prayer in this when all is in readiness the elder kneels at the altar his right arm raised to the square his left hand extended as if to receive a blessing a form of prayer is then offered which it is said is used in all priesthood meetings the candidates are then ready to pass through the veil in the veil are to be seen the square and compasses also other openings which represent the slits in the knees of every garment in the room where this veil is there is also a platform upon which the candidates take seats when their names are called and which is ascended by three steps with the aid of an attendant the neophyte gives the required answers and grips which include the two grips of the aaronic priesthood and the two grips of the melchizedek priesthood following the last grip a dialogue ensues 
Elohim, what is this? Neophyte, the second grip of the Melchizedek priesthood, patriarchal grip, or sure sign of the nail. Elohim, has it a name? Neophyte, it has. Elohim, will you give it to me? Neophyte, I cannot, for I have not yet received it. For this purpose I have come to converse with the Lord behind the veil. Elohim, you shall receive it upon the five points of fellowship through the veil. These are foot to foot, knee to knee, breast to breast, hand to back, and mouth to ear. We may here take leave of the temple ceremonies, but there are certain other matters derived from a different source that have a significance for us. First is language used by a brilliant writer of the Mormon faith. In a chapter that deals with the Logan Temple at Logan, Utah, the author contracts the views of this structure held by Latter-day Saints and Gentiles, and then proceeds. To the Mormons, the Logan Temple is a grand Masonic fabric, reared unto the name of the God of Israel, where endowments are given and ordinances administered and services performed which concern salvation and exaltation, both of the living and the dead, and connected with the Mormon Church. After referring to a supposed polygamic theocracy, which he says is popularly supposed by non-Mormons to exist in the Logan Temple, the author continues. And what makes this matter of so much importance and interest is that the Logan Temple today is looked upon as the Masonic embodiment of the polygamic theocracy. The above is followed by a paragraph that deals with several more particularly two exposés of the endowment house secrets. Then the author says, Meantime, the Mormon apostles and elders, with a becoming repugnance and Masonic reticence quite understandable to members of every Masonic order, have shrank from a public exhibition of the sacred things of their temple. When describing certain scenes enacted in the endowment ceremonies, he refers to the Garden of Eden representation as the Masonic sacred drama of the fall of man, and again, a sign, a grip, and a keyword were communicated and impressed upon us, and a third degree of Mormon endowment, or the first degree of the Aaronic priesthood, was conferred. And finally, our author refers to the oath of chastity, alluded to above, and marks with special emphasis the fact that the oath implies that no man dare, under penalty of death, to betray his brother's wife or daughter. Perhaps the most significant utterance bearing on the subject that has come from one who is in a position to know whereof he speaks is that which comes from a member of the present quorum of the Twelve Apostles. In an address delivered in the Salt Lake Tabernacle on the last Sunday of 1919, as reported in one of the daily papers, the speaker said, Modern masonry is a fragmentary presentation of the ancient order established by King Solomon, from whom it is said to have been handed down through the centuries. Frequent assertion that some details of the Mormon temple ordinances resemble Masonic rites led him to refer to the subject. The speaker declared, and he added, that he was not sorry there was such a similarity because of the fact that the ordinances and rites revealed to Joseph Smith constituted a reintroduction upon the earth of the divine plan inaugurated in the Temple of Solomon in ancient days. Plans for the ordinances to be observed in the temple built at Nauvoo were revealed to Joseph Smith as recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants more than a year prior to the time the founder of the Mormon Church became a member of the Masonic Order. The latter order, the speaker affirmed, claimed origin with King Solomon, but through lapses and departures which had naturally come into the order in the course of time, it had fallen somewhat into imperfection of detail. The temple plan revealed to Joseph Smith was the perfect Solomonic plan under which no man was permitted to obtain the secrets of masonry 
unless he also held the holy priesthood the speaker then explained the authentic proof in masonic history went to show that the five lodges of the order established by joseph smith and other members of the mormon church had been discountenanced by the great organization through mistaken non-observance of a mere technicality the mormon lodges apostle ballard declared had been accepting and advancing members in the order by viva voce vote instead of by secret ballot as a rule required but he said the technical offence had been seized upon as a cause for repudiating the lodges established by members of an unpopular church it is not our purpose to examine critically any of the assertions made by the speaker enough has been said in the preceding pages and more evidence could be adduced to show that the action of the grand lodge of illinois with reference to the mormon lodges was due to other causes than the one specified by the speaker quoted further no objections will be urged here to the acceptance on the part of any one of the statement that the temple ritual parts of which have been presented in these pages was revealed to joseph smith or to any one else direct from heaven the writer will only say that no evidence has come to his knowledge which points to any such supernatural derivation it is worthy of mention in this connection that the prophet records the fact that on the fourth day of may eighteen hundred and forty two he instructed certain of his followers in the principles and order of the priesthood attending to washing anointings endowments and the communication of keys pertaining to the aaronic priesthood and so on to the highest order of the melchizedek priesthood setting forth the order pertaining to the ancient of days and that in this council was instigated the ancient order of things for the first time in these last days this of course does not preclude the possibility of the revelation of this order having been received much earlier than the date given as is held by the historian of the church end of chapter three read for you by chiquito crasto birmingham alabama of the mormon church